is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Happy Halloween, everyone. We're just a few days away at this point, which is really exciting. Yay! So, we thought it would be fitting to have today's episode be about the man who killed Halloween. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to let you guys know we have a fall merch line that is out right now on our website, goingwestpod.com. Click the shop tab and check out some of the new fall items that we put up. Yeah, we've got some really fun stuff. I'm actually wearing one of our sweatshirts right now. And yeah, they're super cozy. And I mean, I'm also wearing slippers. We just got slippers, non-going west slippers, but it's time to get cozy. Go get yourself a sweatshirt. Yeah, it's, it's definitely time to get cozy. I'm actually wearing a dark parts pullover. If you guys don't know already, we have a second show called The Dark Parts. If you like urban legends and things like that, Head over there and check out that show. It's really, really fun. It's a little bit more laid back than going west, so if you're into that, check it out. All right, guys, this is episode 92 of Going West, so let's get into it. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In 1974, a man who would be dubbed the man who killed Halloween struck a suburban neighborhood in Houston, Texas. A little boy was trick-or-treating with family and neighbors, but when he went home to enjoy a piece of candy, he started convulsing and eventually passed out. This is the murder of Timothy O'Brien and the story of the Candyman. Timothy Mark O'Brien was born on April 5, 1966, in Deer Park, Texas, to parents Danine and Ronald O'Brien, alongside his younger sister Elizabeth. And Deer Park is a middle-class suburb in the city of Houston, Texas, by the way. Timothy's father Ronald worked as an optician, which is a technician who fits eyeglasses, 
at Texas State Optical, and he was also a deacon at the local Baptist church. And at the church, he sung in the choir and also was in charge of the bus program that took people to and from church. So it may seem like he had his things together, but Ronald had a very hard time holding a job. This is a Halloween story, and it takes place in October of 1974. And within 10 years of this, Ronald had acquired and lost 21 different jobs. Jeez, that guy is really going through the jobs. Yeah, you can say that. (laughs) But this wasn't just him leaving them because it wasn't a fit. He was fired from each job for one reason or another, usually negligence or fraudulence. So neither of those are good. But the church seemed to love him, and one pastor even explained Ronald as being a good Christian man and an above-average father. At this time, Timothy was a normal, happy, and very healthy eight-year-old boy who had just recently began third grade at Carpenter Elementary School in Deer Park, Texas. That Thursday Halloween evening, Timothy dressed up as one of his favorite characters from Planet of the Apes, and his five-year-old sister Elizabeth dressed up as a princess. Their father Ronald took them to a local neighborhood in Pasadena, Texas, along with their neighbor Jim Bates and his two kids to all go trick-or-treating for that evening. As they filled their bags with various candies throughout the evening, the kids eventually came upon a house with the lights turned off, but they decided to go up to the door anyway. After ringing the bell, there was no response. As the group carried on to the next house, Ronald kind of hung back, determined to get candy from that house. And after about a minute, he caught up to his kids and his neighbor holding five of those really big pixie sticks, you know, the 21-inch long ones, with like the striped plastic straw. He gave one to each of the four kids, and then eventually gave the fifth one away to a kid that he saw in the neighborhood that he knew from church. So they all had a lovely time trick-or-treating, and the kids got a pretty nicely sized stash of candy to enjoy later. But when they returned to the house, Ronald told them that they were only allowed to have one piece of candy each before bed. Elizabeth chose her piece, and then Timothy chose the large pixie stick, because if he was only going to be able to have one, he wanted to have the biggest candy. So Timothy opened up the giant tube and started sucking down that sandy sugar inside. But as soon as he tasted it, he told his dad that it had kind of like a strange, bitter taste. And considering this was a sour and sweet candy, this wasn't too odd of a comment. So Ronald gave him a glass of Kool-Aid to replace the bad taste. That seemed to make things better for the moment, so Ronald headed out of Timothy's room. But less than a minute later, Timothy cried for his dad, saying that his stomach really hurt. They went to the bathroom together as Timothy began vomiting and convulsing. He then began gasping for air as though he couldn't breathe, and then he passed out. So Ronald immediately called an ambulance while he tended to Timothy. When the ambulance got there and loaded Timothy in, they sped over to the closest hospital, which was just minutes away in Pasadena, Texas, Southmore Hospital. But before they arrived, Timothy was pronounced dead. As the investigation into Timothy's death began, his father Ronald cried that Timothy didn't have an enemy in the world and explained how the evening transpired, but they couldn't be clear on the cause of death until the autopsy was conducted. And during the autopsy, the medical examiner noticed that Timothy's mouth kind of smelled like almonds, and interestingly enough, 
This is actually a big indicator of cyanide poisoning, and the medical examiner was aware of this. Cyanide is a highly toxic chemical compound that's often used to kill pests and rodents, but it can also be used to make plastics and textiles. Here's what happens when a person consumes cyanide. It prevents your cells from being able to use oxygen, and with that, your cells die and your body shuts down because it can't bring oxygen to your heart or your brain. So Timothy's convulsions and gasping makes a lot of sense with cyanide poisoning. And after the autopsy was conducted, it was determined that Timothy's body had a lot of cyanide in it. So much that it could have killed at least two adults. After Ronald had told police that the only thing Timothy had consumed before he died was that large pixie stick, they took it in for testing. Luckily, news around the area spread fast, and parents took candy away from their children in fear that their goodies were also poisoned. Many parents even handed over candy to the police so they could test it. But they started with Timothy's pixie stick, as well as the one that Elizabeth and the neighbors had. When they found that another kid in the neighborhood had received one as well, the one that Ronald recognized from church, they immediately called the parents to tell them to bring the pixie stick in, but they couldn't find it. And obviously they were then terrified that their son had consumed it, but when they went to his room, he was laying in bed asleep, holding said pixie stick. He had apparently tried to eat it, but couldn't get it open. Turns out, all five of the pixie sticks had been stapled shut on one end, and they all had about two inches of cyanide sitting at the top on the stapled end. All four of the other pixie sticks had more cyanide than the one that Timothy consumed, and they had enough to kill three to four adults instead of just two. But luckily, none of them ate it. I feel like this is seriously a miracle. Like, I mean, it's really unfortunate that Timothy died, but at the same time, you could have had five kids, five dead kids on your hands. Can you believe that the one kid tried to eat it? He just couldn't get the staple off. That was his whole thing. Could but you, he, he tried. Yeah, could you imagine being those parents and they take it in and they find out that there actually was cyanide in the pixie stick? And then you're like, oh my God, my son or daughter was just holding this. Like, Yeah, talk about a close call. Yeah, really close call there. And by the way, potassium cyanide can be found in a powder form, and it's just a white powder that's kind of crystally like sugar, but more of like a flour-like consistency. So it matched well with the candy in the tube, because for those who have never had pixie sticks, the small ones, like the regular size, are paper tubes filled with flavored sugar. And the big ones, the ones that the kids got, are nearly two feet long, and they're these thick plastic tubes. So usually you would either rip off the tip of the paper and dump the tube in your mouth or you cut off the tip of the big plastic tube like with scissors and dump that in your mouth. So what someone did here is they snipped off the tip of the plastic tube, poured in some cyanide and then stapled it shut. But of course, a kid wouldn't know that it wasn't supposed to be stapled, hence why Timothy consumed it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember getting pixie sticks on Halloween. And I remember the big tube ones. Do you oh, remember I used those? to love those. That was like one of my favorites somehow. Even it's, though now it's so gross to think about. Yeah, it's so funny. Like it's literally just like flavored sugar. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, I, like I know like that's all that candy bars are. But I mean, literally, it's just granules it's of flavored sugar, basically. 
But I, I don't know. If you're a weirdo like me, you used to, with the paper ones, you just used to eat the paper too. I don't know. I was kind oh, of, what? I was kind of a fucking weird kid. I, I, I get like chewing on the the big plastic ones. I think the whole fun thing about the, the big ones was that they were big. You're like, I have this huge stick of candy. Yeah, like, it's just that's a what monster stick of sugar. Yeah. So, and just like when you would go to the, the nice houses and get the big candy bars, like we, kids just like anything that's big. So, of course, it makes sense why Timothy decided that this was the one piece of candy he wanted to have that night. I'm just surprised that the other kids didn't decide the same thing. Like, this is the big one, you know? Yeah. And it was weird because the big pixie sticks were the mo- like more expensive than regular candy and more expensive than any of the other candy they got. So this was like a special piece of candy. So now police knew that someone had poisoned candy in that Pasadena, Texas neighborhood. They just needed Ronald to help them find the house that gave them those pixie sticks. But Ronald told police that he couldn't remember which house they had gotten that specific candy from. And this would make sense considering when you're trick-or-treating, you get candy from countless houses and don't know exactly who gives you what. But considering we know that Ronald had been the one to get those pixie sticks from the house himself, you'd think he'd remember which house had given them to him. Like, he was the one who went up to that house and was, like, you know, dead set on getting candy from that house. You think if he would remember any of the houses, it would be that one. Right. He also told police that he couldn't remember what the person who gave them to him looked like. When he went up to the house, Ronald said that a man just opened the door slightly and stuck his hand out holding five pixie sticks. The only detail he could give police was that the man's arm was hairy. Okay, wait, so you know that the man's arm is hairy... You know that he opened the door slightly, but you can't remember which house it was that gave you the pixie sticks? Bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And police were thinking the same thing. They're like, really, dude? That Halloween night in 1974, it rained. Not super hard. It was more like a kind of a heavy drizzle. But this stopped many kids from trick-or-treating that evening. So most of the streets were pretty quiet that night. And even though the O'Briens and their neighbors, the Bateses, actually went out that night, They didn't stay out for very long, and they only hit houses on two different streets before heading home. Since Jim Bates didn't know where the Pixie Sticks came from and Ronald couldn't remember, investigators went house to house in that area and asked everyone what kind of candy they passed out on Halloween. But no one said Pixie Sticks. So then they brought Ronald around with them as they went house to house, and he just couldn't remember. That was. Until the third time around, he finally saw that house without the lights, and he knew that was the house. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, 
we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. Rocketmoney.com slash going west. So a couple months ago, my twin sent me this box of goodies from a company she knew I would love because she knows me because they're vegan and amazing and I love CBD. I cannot stress this enough. I love them. And I'm talking about Kefla Organics. Okay, so here's the breakdown of what Kefla does. They make delicious products with CBD, including chocolate, drink mixes, and CBD oil. For their drink mixes, they have golden latte, hot cocoa, and chai latte. Oh, yum. The hot cocoa is my current obsession. I just had a cup before this, actually. And we just got this order yesterday. I've already made two cups, made one last night and this morning. 
It's like a really good cup of hot cocoa that made me feel so relaxed and happy. I love it. And the ingredients are amazing. It's all vegan and fair trade, and they use coconut sugar to sweeten it. For the chocolate bars, you can just eat them as is or even melt them into hot milk. I like using soy milk or coffee to have a warm drink, which is perfect for the cold months that are upon us. From the moment you look at Kefla's branding, you're going to love them. And the team behind the magic are just really good people who care about the product they're making. And the pricing is also amazing. If you go to a coffee shop and ask for a drink with 25 milligrams of CBD, which is what's in Kefla products, it'll cost you at least $6. Trust me, I've had a lot of CBD coffees these days. But now you can enjoy one at your very own home for about 2 to $3, depending on what Kefla products you try. I also had a Kefla product before we recorded this. I had the chocolate bar, and it's amazing. So you guys need to try Kefla. We can't rave about them and their uniquely delicious products enough. So head on over to Kefla Organics, that's K-E-F-L-A organics.com, and get 20% off your order using code GOINGWEST20. That's keflaorganics.com using code GOINGWEST20, no spaces. So what are you guys waiting for? Go get some Kefla products. When police knocked on the door of the once-darkened house, they found a man named Courtney Melvin. He was the only man that lived there, so Ronald was confident that this was the man who had handed him the pixie sticks. He lived in the house with his wife and daughter, so police questioned all of them about that Halloween night. The reason the house was dark that night was because the wife and daughter, who had spent the evening passing out candy, had run out of treats, so they shut out the lights to deter potential trick-or-treaters. They denied ever opening the door for anyone, including Ronald, once the lights went out. And regarding Courtney Melvin, he claimed that he was at work that evening till around 11 p.m. Courtney worked at William P. Hobby Airport in Houston as an air traffic controller, so he's the guy that kind of guides planes to safety. When police went to confirm whether or not he was working that evening, over 200 employees could verify that he had indeed worked that evening. So this was a very solid alibi, and there's no getting around that. At this point, police became very suspicious of Ronald O'Brien. First, he said he didn't know what house it was. Then, after circling the neighborhood three times, he remembered which one it was. But of course, he had no description of who even gave him said candy. And why did he even go back to the house for the candy? You know, like, why didn't he just join the group and carry on to the next house? Why did he need to get candy from that house? And clearly, Courtney Melvin had a solid alibi. So Ronald just wasn't being truthful. So investigators looked further into Ronald to see if he could possibly have some kind of motive for murdering his own son and attempting to murder his daughter and other neighborhood kids. And that's when they discovered something very suspicious about Ronald. Because of Ronald's job issues, he had quite the money troubles. In fact, he was in over $100,000 worth of debt, which today is around $500,000. 
and much of this debt came from taking out several different big loans, but still, this is a lot of debt. And he was taking about $150 home each week from his optician job, which today is around $750 a week, so not bad at all. But he also had to support his wife, his kids, and himself. So this was definitely not enough to do that and make payments towards this large debt. So pretty much Ronald just seems like a deadbeat who just kind of can't get his shit together. Yeah, I I don't know why he had to have so many jobs, but he was going to school at this time. So I think maybe he was trying to turn it around, but I don't think he was trying very hard. Yeah, I mean, $100,000 worth of debt, or I guess today, $500,000 worth of debt. That's a lot of debt. I mean, I don't know. That's daunting. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Well, yeah, when you think about that, it's like, what? Like, obviously, bank loans for what? I'm curious, you know? Maybe his house. I couldn't find that information. I'm assuming his house and other things. But I mean, again, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, yeah. But they did live in a really nice neighborhood. So I'm not sure if maybe he just took out a bank loan for the house and he just couldn't make payments. I'm assuming it's that kind of thing. That's probably what happened. And why is this even relevant? Well, Ronald's children had life insurance policies on them. Meanwhile, he and his wife didn't have any taken out on them. The children's had only recently been taken out for $20,000 each. But right before Halloween, there was a clause added that would reward Ronald with $40,000 per child upon their death, which today is over $200,000 per child. Meaning if both Timothy and Elizabeth died, he'd be able to knock off half of his debt. So obviously, Ronald became a suspect right away. But police even stated that they were pretty put off by him before he was even considered a suspect because he just kind of rubbed you the wrong way. In fact, the morning after Timothy had died, literally hours after his death, at 9am on November 1st, 1974, Ronald called the insurance company to ask when he could collect his money. And if that doesn't scream guilty, I don't know what does. Danine, who remember is Timothy's mom and Ronald's wife, denied knowing anything about any of this. And when she found out, she was utterly horrified. She didn't know he had taken out life insurance policies on either of their children and swore that she took no part in the cyanide poisoning nor did she know Ronald was planning to do such a thing. Police weren't suspicious of her anyway, and Ronald didn't out her. But he also didn't admit guilt himself. He denied having any involvement in it as well. But the suspicions just kept rolling in. When police searched the house, they found a piece of adding machine tape that totaled to the same amount that Ronald would collect from Timothy's death. And next to this, was the amount for bills he owed written out, as if he was comparing the amount of his bills with this other amount on the adding machine. Like, which bills he could take care of now that his son is dead. That's just so messed up. And on top of all of this, months leading up to Halloween, Ronald had asked many people about cyanide. Ronald was attending community college at the time of Timothy's death, and before Halloween, he had asked one of his professors if cyanide was more lethal than another type of poison. The professor didn't know why he was asking such a question, but of course, hindsight's 2020, so this wasn't concerning until after the fact. Also, Ronald had called up one of his friends who worked at a chemical plant, 
and asked him how much cyanide could kill a person. Ronald also visited a chemical supply company that was located in Houston and tried to buy cyanide directly from them. But after they told him he could only buy five pounds of it, he left. Which is so odd because five pounds is a lot. Considering each tube only had an inch or two of cyanide and that was more than fatal, like how is five pounds not enough in his mind? Yeah, what the hell was he going to do with five pounds? Like imagine if this guy never got caught. I can, I'm just like, for some reason I'm foreseeing him like not getting caught and then using the rest of the cyanide to like kill his wife whom he just took out a life insurance policy on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. Like, that's something that he would do, because he's just that guy. And as if all these occurrences aren't suspicious enough, many coworkers and friends of Ronald's told police that they had also noticed him talking about cyanide before the killing. I'm so glad that so many murderers are this stupid so we can catch them, but wow, really? How are you going to explain that later when all these people find out your son died via cyanide and you just happen to ask them all these questions about it and how it can kill people like how are you gonna explain that and if you're gonna use cyanide to kill people why the fuck are you talking to everybody about it you moron and this part reminds me of the steven rico case for everyone who has not listened to that it was a few weeks back steven rico really crazy episode but this reminds me of that too how the guilty party was telling everybody about it prior. Like, just what are you doing? Blabbermouthing around. You're just implicating yourself. Like, wow. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Since they knew Ronald hadn't gotten the cyanide from that one chemical supply company, they couldn't figure out exactly where he had gotten it from. It being 1974, they also couldn't test any DNA in this case, but they did have a pretty damning piece of physical evidence. While searching the house, police also came across a pocket knife that belonged to Ronald, and it had candy residue on it, as if he had used this to cut the tube, and or pull candy out of the pixie stick tube. So police brought him down again for questioning and asked him to take a polygraph. 
and these aren't always reliable, and it's especially hard when the person is close to the victim because their responses may be emotionally contaminated. But they asked him to do one anyway, and he failed. It goes without saying that on November 5th, 1974, just five days after Timothy's death, police arrested 30-year-old Ronald O'Brien for the first-degree murder of his 8-year-old son, Timothy O'Brien, and four counts of attempted murder for his daughter Elizabeth, the two neighbor kids, and the kid from the church. Ronald maintained his innocence, and when the trial began about seven months later on May 5, 1975 in Houston, Texas, he pleaded not guilty to all five counts against him. And this is when he was dubbed by the press as the Candyman and the man who killed Halloween. During the trial, many people came forward regarding Ronald discussing cyanide. And this included his friend who he'd asked how much was lethal to, a salesman from the Houston Chemical Supply Company, and other friends and coworkers who would confirm that Ronald had been talking about cyanide leading up to Halloween. The salesman also said that he couldn't identify Ronald specifically, but he said he remembered that the man was wearing a blue doctor's smock. And we know that Ronald had a uniform just like this for his optician job. Some family also testified regarding the fact that during Timothy's funeral, which was before Ronald's arrest, Ronald almost bragged about what he was going to do with Timothy's life insurance money including probably taking a long vacation. After Ronald's arrest, his wife, Daneen, filed for divorce, which was finalized the same year as the trial. So again, Ronald O'Brien maintained his innocence throughout the trial, and he seemed to love all the attention that he was getting. He wasn't playing the grieving, innocent father at all. His defense tried to paint the picture that Ronald was innocent in the light of urban legends. They discussed various urban legends that existed by this time regarding crazed candy poisoners who wanted to wreak havoc on neighborhoods and kill random kids at large just for the sake of causing trouble. They tried to say that these things don't actually happen, they're just urban legends. Meanwhile, they tried to prove that Ronald O'Brien was nothing other than a caring Christian father who went to church and loved his children. Sure. He was struggling with money, but a good Christian father wouldn't plot something so ridiculous and storybook-like just to pay off his debts. So his defense lawyers say. Yeah, he's just an evil, evil man. But thanks to all the witness statements and suspicious evidence, on June 3, 1975, nearly one month after the trial began, a jury deliberated over just 46 minutes and found Ronald O'Brien guilty of all five counts. Ronald was sentenced to life in prison, and then, with another 71-minute discussion, he was sentenced to death. Based on interviews and information from the investigation, here's what really happened that night. That evening, when they came upon the house with no lights, Ronald hung back for a minute. That's when he took out five 21-inch pixie sticks that he had brought with him, and they already had the cyanide in them. He then caught up with his group and handed them to the kids, telling them that he had gotten them from the house with no lights on. He said they'd open the door for him, but he hadn't. This was just his way of getting the pixie sticks in their candy bags after having previously filled them with cyanide at home. And even more horrible 
when they got home and he told Timothy and Elizabeth that they could only have one piece, Ronald helped Timothy open the tube. And when he did, it was too clumped at the top to come out. So Ronald had to roll the tube between his hands to loosen it up before dumping it into Timothy's mouth. So he literally fed his child the poison, knowing exactly what it was. Even after his conviction and up to his execution, Ronald maintained his innocence. He would spend the next nine years on death row in Huntsville, Texas, and everyone else on death row absolutely hated him knowing that he had killed not just a child, but his own child. Originally, Ronald was supposed to be put to death on August 8, 1980, so nearly six years after Timothy's murder, but then it was rescheduled four more times due to legal qualms. He appealed multiple times, but they were all denied. And just after midnight on March 31, 1984, 39-year-old Ronald O'Brien was put to death by lethal injection. Before his execution, his ex-wife Daneen told the press, I'm glad it's coming to an end. I don't think Ronald is a sick or insane person, but he is perverted. Ronald O'Brien's final meal consisted of steak, french fries, peas, and Boston cream pie. And his final statements included him stating his innocence and his belief that the death penalty is wrong. As his execution was underway, many people held signs outside that said things like trick-or-treat or candy man. And some people actually threw candy at anti-death penalty protesters and screamed trick-or-treat at them. But all in all, the general consensus of people in Deer Park, Texas and beyond truly felt that Ronald was guilty of the crime against his son. So when he was finally put to death, many felt that their very own boogeyman was gone for good. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Halloween. And next week, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. But yeah, they totally should have put cyanide in his Boston cream pie. Absolutely. 100% agree. All right. Thank you so much to everybody who became a patron this week. Patreon is where you can get bonus episodes. We just uploaded two over the past few days, one on the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart and one on The Lady in the Lake. Thank you so much to Thrill of the Fright, Chrissy, Shannon, Paige, Raven, Cheyenne, and Alma. Big thanks going out to Alyssa, Joanna, Samantha, Catherine, Gail, and Samar. Thank you so much to Aaron, Kristen, Emily, Kelly, Ashley, and Kyla. And last but not least, we have a huge thanks going out to Samantha, Lena, <laughs> Teresa, Sarah, Jen, Caroline, and Jamie. You guys are awesome. So amazing. We love you so much. Heath, I hate to correct you, correct you but I think it might be Lena. Oh, if it's, if it's if it's Lena, I'm so sorry, Lena or Lena. Thank you so much for being a patron. <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to say, just in case. Yes, thank you so much to all of our patrons. It means the world that you join our little community. So thank you. And if you guys do want to join, head over to patreon.com slash podcast and subscribe to whatever tier fits your interest. Anyways, for everybody out there in the world, cheerio, don't be a stranger, and happy Halloween.